Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us again for another episode of the Nakubo in Brief podcast. I'm Megan Schneider, Senior Director of Government Affairs at Nakubo, and I'm thrilled to have joining me today from the University of Arizona, uh, Trevor Ledbetter, who serves as the Director of the Office of Sustainability there, and Ilsa Rojas, who serves as the Program Manager of the Compost Cat Program. Now, before we begin, we always like to have our guests tell us a little bit about their institution. Uh, so would you two mind telling us a little bit about the University of Arizona, where are you located, what your student population looks like, things like that? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so first, I'd like to acknowledge that the University of Arizona sits on the land and territories of indigenous peoples, uh, with Tucson, Arizona being home to the Ohotam and the Yaqui peoples. Uh, the university is committed to diversity and inclusion, and the university strives to build uh, sustainable relationships with sovereign native nations and indigenous communities through educational offer- offerings, partnerships, and community service. Uh, the main campus of the University of Arizona is actually located in Tucson uh, and sits on approximately 390 acres uh, in a really urban setting with just over 47,000 undergraduate and graduate students and nearly 16,000 faculty and staff. The university was also founded uh, in 1885. It was the first uh, university in the state of Arizona and today is home to more than 300 majors two medical schools, and is the number one research and development school in the state. Um, and we recently welcomed over 8,700 first-year students, making it our largest first-year class in history and also our most diverse yet, with over 45% self-identifying with ethnicities other than white and about one-third being the first in their family to attend college. I love to hear that. Sounds like a very dynamic campus. So the primary reason that we are talking today is because the University of Arizona was the recipient of Nakubo's 2021 Excellence in Sustainability Awards for your amazing Compost Cats program. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the Compost Cats project got started? So actually, the Compost Cat program started 10 years ago. And it was founded in 2011 by a small group of students that have the mission to divert food waste from campus operations away from our local landfills. So no longer after um, the Compost Cut program was founded, the program expanded very fast uh, to offer compost pickup services to small businesses near the university. Over the time, by the year actually 2014, the demand of compost cut services outpaced this capacity and to remedy this, uh, we approached the city of Tucson Department of Environmental Services and proposed a partnership that will leverage the city's waste hauling infrastructure 
to increase the efficiency of waste transportation. This resulted in an intergovernmental agreement creating the Food Cycle Program, which is a commercial compost program open to all businesses within the city of Tucson limits. Um, by 2015, um, Compost Cuts passed the 10 million pounds diversion mark and received several awards to acknowledge these accomplishments, continue growing over the years. So the Compost Cuts program uh, continued to expand and provide the community outreach, public education, and student empowerment. And I would like to say that over its 10 years of existence, Compost Cuts program has diverted more than 20 million pounds of food waste and green waste and diverted that from the landfill and actually also uh, positively impacted hundreds of the students' employees through experimental learning and engagement programs. Now, you spoke a little bit to this, um, but it sounds like you all were able to scale this program really quickly. You mentioned your partnerships with local businesses, but I think any campus administrator will say that sometimes when you you are trying to grow a campus uh, uh, project or program really quickly, uh, sometimes you can run into complications. Can you guys, either of you, talk a little bit about um, any of the complications that you may have experienced with such quick growth uh, and how you went about tackling those? One of the biggest things, first and foremost, is just the logistics of running a program of this size and this scale and really watching scope creep. Like any good nonprofit organization, we faced very similar issues in logistics, funding, scaling, scope creep. Um, and so it was really important over Compost Cat's history to manage all of those things. Um, and we certainly have seen some missteps in the program. Um, but when the program transitioned to the Office of Sustainability in 2018 from another department on campus, we really took the opportunity in that transitional period to evaluate where were our pain points and where were opportunities for additional growth. And um, we looked really deeply at how we could leverage not only our students' expertise, but the expertise of the university to better align the program with uh, those areas. Um, Some really primary ones being outreach and education. Um, We are the land-grant institution for the state of Arizona. Um, So we have a lot of resources in those areas, and those are areas where our students really excel. Um, and then really taking a look at um, how we can be more efficient in the delegation of responsibilities for the food cycle program and for everything that we do in the way of organic waste management in partnership with the city of Tucson. And so we reevaluated um, sort of how we did hauling, how we interacted with businesses, and that is continuing to, to evolve to this day. So there's a lot of uh, sort of trial and error um, in figuring out what works and what doesn't work. That's that's sort of the approach that we've taken more recently. Following up on that idea, um, as Trevor mentioned, there are several challenges associated with a compost program everywhere. So I think that contamination is one of the main issues, but uh, how we tackle, um, just to, to everybody understand contamination, are materials that are not compostable and they end up into the compost bins. To address this um, challenge, uh, we currently provide continuing support to our participants, providing signage, public education, and guidance to allow them to make the right decision when sorting out their waste. Uh, continue follow-up, con- uh, building relationships, 
raising awareness just to keep participants involved and engaged. I think uh, it is one of the most challenging situations because everybody gets super excited at the beginning of the program, but as days pass by, uh, lack of time or lack of guidance guidance sometimes can produce um, a little bit of walk away through the program. Uh, but again, I believe that uh, through the, all these trial and errors we have uh, seen over the past uh, years, we have come to a good approach just to keep a uh, open communication with our participants, um, keep them very actively involved and and just uh, continue wor- working together through this movement. I mentioned nonprofits uh, at the beginning of this question um, and funding difficulties. Um, that's That's something that you know, we've also sort of had to operate within. Um, and so Compost Cats for a while was received some significant funding from the University of Arizona Green Fund, um, which is just an internal granting uh, organization. Uh, and then we've also received some really significant external funding, both through philanthropic organizations, including the Kroger Foundation and other smaller foundations, um, as well as the intergovernmental agreement that we have with the city of Tucson to do the work that we do through food cycle. But within that, you know, we're, we're consistently looking for philanthropic opportunities and other things to help us broaden our reach and really grow in a sustainable manner that enables us to continue to do the work that we're doing uh, and to continue to empower the students that uh, we're able to employ through the program. I think one of the most noteworthy aspects of the program, the reason that we, we chose it as an award winner is because it is such a good example of how a university can truly be a community partner and engage the community around them. That's something we always encourage institutions to do. Um, so you all took this program that started on the campus, but really you're surrounding households involved, surrounding businesses involved. It's it's truly a community support program now. It's not just a campus support program. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the complications you may have experienced with that quick growth and how you overcame them? So the program, the Compost Health program, engaged with the community in several ways, mostly keeping open communication and active interactions uh, with campus and community members. So we reach out to people in person when we do table events or outreach events, either at the University of, of Arizona or on local fairs or events that we are invited, like to submit yourself or any other events that we can participate to just um, divert more organic ways. We also, since our mission is to provide public education, we host frequent public education events, um, such as workshops or trainers or summer camps or things in, in that area where we also provide sustainability education and composting education for the community, not only to the campus community, but surrounding communities as well. We actively engage with several community members via social media. We have two platforms, actually, Facebook and Instagram, so you can Look for us over there and follow us. And we also deliver some information via writing, you know, via newsletters or emails to continue engaging with the community. Um, Over the past uh, year or so, we have also established three 
compost cut demonstration sites, uh, which are uh, located in different locations around Tucson. Um, um, these, uh, these different locations allow us to reach out more um, diverse uh, number of audience. Um, these sites are also allow us to engage and educate the communities um, in Tucson because we not only provide the opportunity to have hands experience and seeing and become more familiar with different composting methods, things we do, but also these uh, demonstration sites uh, provide a space to host classes or tours or events. And also uh, we can provide some research facilitation for community members or university members as well. With newer programs, I think there can be a tendency to sort of try to recreate a wheel or to create something brand new and shiny and sparkly. And um, I think Compost Cats has found a lot of success in sort of leveraging partnerships and looking at what other organizations in similar spaces are doing to create that two-way partnership that benefits both partners or multiple partners at the same time and building capacity rather than building something new. And so Ilse mentioned the compost demonstration sites. We have one at the Cooper Center for Environmental Learning here in Tucson um, who hosts uh, thousands and thousands of primarily K-5 through but K-12 through uh, students each year. Um, we also partner with the Tucson Village Farm, who does very similar levels of engagement with K through 12 students. Um, and so by citing, co-citing our demonstration sites there, we help to build out the programming that those organizations can offer while also expanding, um, education in composting and, um, social issues, uh, as well as other things like recycling and just sustainability more broadly. Within that, we've also seen uh, a lot of success. Ilse mentioned Tucson Meet Yourself. In, in the past, Compost Cats has been the primary waste manager for that event, which draws upwards of 100, 120,000 people in a non-COVID year. Um, and so it's, it's a fantastic opportunity for them to be able to say, you know, here's our diversion rate and um, here is how Compost Cats is helping us. Tucson is a UNESCO city of gastronomy, so food is very, very important here. And Tucson Meet Yourself draws just huge numbers of people that that through that partnership allow us to get the word out about composting and sustainability while also enabling the organizers of Tucson Meet Yourself to uh, be more sustainable in how they operate and offer those um, offerings to the Tucson community. So often, too often, I think college or university campuses can sometimes feel like islands in uh, in and to themselves separate from their uh, surrounding communities. Um, and this is that's clearly not the case here. That's it's so great to hear all the ways that you're connecting with your local community. Um, to that end, I'd love to ask you a little bit more about uh, one of the greatest features I think the Compost Cats program has going for it, which is uh, your ongoing partnership with the city of Tucson. Hear frequently from colleges and universities that you know they're interested in partnering with their local government, but they they often find it difficult, or it causes headaches, or it's logistically too hard, or uh, but it sounds like you all have have been really successful in tackling those hurdles. So uh, are there any tips that you all uh, could offer on how you have been able to be so successful on in partnering with your local government? I think one of the most important things is definitely shared mission and values. Um, so Mayor Regino Romero here in Tucson is 
very, very dealt into into these issues, into the climate crisis. Um, I believe fall of 2020, uh, the city of Tucson actually declared a climate emergency and started laying out plans for a really robust people-centered climate action plan for the city of Tucson that also includes a zero-waste plan or a towards-zero-waste plan that also incorporates composting as well as numerous other waste management and waste reduction things. And that's still very early on in the process. But the existing partnership that we've had with the city of Tucson and the transition that we saw with Compost Cats in 2018 enabled us to shift our primary operational site to the Los Realis landfill, which was recently renamed the Los Realis Sustainability Campus. Um, And so the new Los Realis composting facility is located at the Los Realis Sustainability Campus. Um, So there's just a lot of uh, synergy there and opportunity there beyond just composting. Um, but that existing partnership really enabled us to take things and take waste in Tucson a step further uh, to start looking at uh, what would otherwise be landfilled as an asset for the city of Tucson. And in composting, that looks like uh, composting and wood chips for uh, local parks and community gardens, schools, highways, that sort of stuff. Um, we also operate in a desert, of course. And so we get typically an average of around 10 inches of rain a year. Um, and we don't have a huge amount of tree cover. We also have an inequitable amount of tree cover across the city of Tucson. And so one of Mayor Romero's key initiatives is the Million Trees campaign, which is to plant uh, 1 million trees between now and 2030. And so composting, mulching, all of that also fits nicely into that. Um, when it comes to actual engagement, I think beyond those finding those shared values and opportunities, most cities who operate a municipal landfill also operate with constrained space. And so uh, sort of showing how much or figuring out how much waste that would otherwise end up in a landfill can be diverted quite easily and quickly provides an economic argument for how you deal with waste in a city to show just on the green waste side of things with like tree branches and other like yard clipping stuff like that um, if you can divert that from a landfill you can extend the usable life of that landfill considerably and when you start talking about food waste um, you also start talking about reducing greenhouse gases from your landfill. And there are a lot of opportunities in there that um, can be more of a selling point than just the price tag to get something started. That is so impressive. And it sounds like you do have a a great uh, partner in the city of Tucson and certainly in Mayor Romero. I want to highlight the fact that one of the other reasons that we were so impressed with this program and one of the things that we look for in all of our award winners is that it, it really does seem to have Great potential for other institutions of all sizes and types to follow in your model. Obviously, University of Arizona is a relatively large institution, but uh, when we were reviewing this, it seemed like you know this would be the sort of program that any campus, a two-year univers, a two-year institution or a four-year institution could take and you know scale up or down based on the size of the campus and based on you know sort of what their surrounding community looks like. Um, and that is one of the things that we loved about it. And one of the reasons we at Nakubo really wanted to highlight the program for any other colleges or universities that are looking to start a similar program. Do either of you have any couple of just sort of big picture pieces of advice that that you could share that might make it a little bit easier for those considering doing their own program? 
first, I would like to say that we encourage any college and a university, local communities, community garden, local schools, or any kind of entity to start their own compost program. It has some challenges, but each situation is unique. So that being said, I will recommend that each institution or entity um, make an analysis of what are the needs that they have and just figure it out how many people um, they have in place, how many food scraps they, uh, how much food scraps they generate, what types of ways they're going to be collecting, where they can process and that food waste collected, how they can process, because there are several several composting methods that can be used depending on the space, location, geographic area, and so more. So, so after we have all these details figured out um, and identify those needs, what, what, what do we need to move forward with our compost program? We need to uh, also figure out what, what resources each uh, entity or organization has available in terms of infrastructure or funding or just uh, human resources. Do we need to pay employees or we can have volunteers, etc.? Having all these things in, in pictures, we can just start planning. Okay, we are going to process food scraps from 20 participants in this school, we are going to collect it in a bucket and then we're going to just set up a small uh, tumbler to process our food waste. If that's the plan and that's the decision you make, that's great. But I will recommend also start a small, very small scale, probably a pilot to see how it will work. And then after that pilot is established and you can get a little bit of taste just collect some insights or feedback from participants and then, you know, continue expanding and scaling up if possible and if it's successful. Uh, but again, I think there are a lot of pieces that need to be um, evaluated before to start. And after that's done, you have options to move forward with it. It's really important to keep the long-term sustainability of the program financially and the human capital side of things in mind as you go through those pilot processes. Oftentimes, these sorts of programs get off the ground from grant funding. Compost Cats uh, is no different there. But, you know, if you don't have a really close eye to um, the long-term financial sustainability, you're going to run into funding issues when those grant sources run out. Um, but more than that, on the capital, the, the human capital side of things, it's really important to understand how, if you're using student employees or volunteers, you know, you don't want to burn them out. You don't want to put them in unsafe situations. So it's really important to sort of take all of those things into account um, as you go through this process. And especially if things start, start to scale at a larger school, for instance, just so that way you can create a program that is sustainable in all really in in really all aspects of the word. Great pieces of advice from both of you. Thank you so much. Now I'm going to ask probably the hardest question of the day, but this program has clearly had a a huge impact for the good on the University of Arizona and I would say Southern Arizona even as a whole. Um, But when you look at all of the successes that the program has had, uh, what is the, if you you could choose one thing that you are most proud of um, that has come out of the program, what would it be? I personally very, very proud of the students. I'm super proud to watch how the University of Arizona students get empowered through this program and through focused experiential learning, 
mentorship and leadership training, how they grow professionally, how they go, they grow personally, and how also um, have developed skills to better inform and inspire the Tucson community and local communities about food waste reduction, food security, soil health, sustainable agriculture, and environmental stewardship broadly. Um, but also they, they develop these skills to create or identify solutions to address pressing challenges that we currently face, like climate change. For me, it is, it is uh, very grateful to see their professional and um, personal growing after working in our organization. And it really inspires me to continue working towards the development of a more equitable, just, and sustainable society. Ilse definitely stole mine. I've been either peripherally as a student here at the U of A or um, directly as the director for the Office of Sustainability involved with Compost Cats in some capacity since 2014. Um, And I've seen peers go through the Compost Cats program um, and the skills that they have gathered throughout their employment with the program um, and the things that they've gone on to do has just been incredibly exciting to see and to be a part of now. But more than that, more than the students, um, you sort of touched on it, Megan, uh, just the impact that we've been able to have on the conversations around sustainability broadly, not just composting within the University of Arizona and throughout Southern Arizona has really been transformative. And I think that the Compost Cats program and its history, we've, we've learned a lot. We've grown a lot. Lots of things have changed over the years, but the ability of the program to do what it has done for students and for the community and for the conversation around sustainability is really what has excited me and has helped to propel the Office of Sustainability to where it is today. And that, you know, would not be possible without the students who first had this very exciting idea about composting 10 years ago. You both, your teams, and certainly your students have so much to be proud of. Um, I want to say thank you again to both of you for joining us for today. Um, congratulations again on your Nakubo Sustainability Award. I'm sure that there are many more to come in the future. Um, your success is inspiring to me, I'm sure, and I'm sure will be in- inspirational to many campuses out there uh, and may, you know, hopefully spark campuses starting similar programs. Thanks to all of you, our listeners, for joining us again today. Be sure to subscribe to the Nakubo In Brief podcast wherever you get your podcast so that uh, you don't miss an episode. You can also find uh, all of our episodes on the Nakubo website. Um, so again, thanks to our guests for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. This was really exciting. Yes, thank you. To everyone, have a great rest of your day. Bye.